Welcome to this month's episode of Agile Actually. Today, Simon and I are going to be talking about um, that office space is dead. The offices are just, just dead. They're not coming back. They might for a little bit, but they're pretty much dead. That's what we're going to be talking about. What do you think, Did Simon? you get the memo? Did you get the memo? Offices are dead. Um, are they? Are they dead, Martin? Oh, they're not. They're not dead. Dead. And I don't think they'll ever be dead. Dead. Right. There will still always be offices. But what might that look like? Right. I think there are lots of people who. I, I did see a poll. I did see a poll um, that said that twenty twenty percent of people never want to go into an office ever again in their life. Twenty of people. Twenty percent of people never want to work from home again in their life. And the 60% of people in the middle are like, I'll work from the office when I need to. I'll work from the office a couple of days a week, whatever's. But I don't, most people, 80% of people didn't want to go back to the office full time was um, what the poll was talking about. So the pandemic proved we can work from home. Yes. And... It, it took away um, a lot of the aversion and fear that a lot of managers had that people would not be effective working from home. And what I did see is uh, a huge mess of stuff coming in from the other direction where there was almost this utilization trap in calendars where people all of a sudden had calendars packed with catch-ups and sinks and events. Yep. And had very little time to be effective because there was all this um, nano monitoring going on. Uh, I've seen that in, in I've seen that pre-pandemic in-person teams as well, where you open up somebody's uh, somebody on the team's calendar and they have no clear space for two three hours worth of work, right? Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think a lot of managers. And I may be going to get in trouble here, but I think a lot of managers didn't, never actually understood how to manage people. And when they could see them, they could they could fake it, right? And 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 write the reports and do those things because they could see the, these people. And yes, they've got their butt in their seat for four. I have no idea what they're doing, but they're there. I barely remember their name, but they're there. Uh, but in the virtual space, that's not a viable form of of management. It's not going to help you understand what's going on. It's not going to give you that level of um, understanding to be able to to to, to loop that up up the chain. And I think that's that's really the thing that's that's dead as well. Right, there's there's all of these empty. I don't know how to describe it. I'd say it's busy, busy managers, yep. where they're manage managing by busy work, not by outcome. And I think this is relevant to us in the agile space. Is we've been banging the drum that we want more leadership. And less management. I still think there need there is definitely a place for management. Yeah, we need to understand what's going on. We need metrics in place for that 
preferably value and outcome-based metrics as opposed to busyness and utilization metrics. Yep. We need stronger connections in between our leadership people and our teams, and we want stronger positive connections between people in our teams. And to me, that's the the saving grace of getting together. It's so much easier to build those human connections face to face when you're chatting about, oh, what are you going to have for lunch or yep. things like that. So lots of, it's the balance, right? It's striking that balance, but um, the I, dangerous I do, thing. I, I was going to say, I do, I do, I do agree that um, for, for all of those in betweeny things that where that was how thing pre-pandemic in order to fill that gap for poor quality management, right? That gap was filled by water cooler conversations, out for a cigarette conversations. Um, I mean, I remember, I, I, I remember working at uh, a, a lar large organization in, in Glasgow and when I used to smoke and I would be out for a cigarette and the CEO would be out for a cigarette and we would talk about stuff as if we were pals, right? And I was just a lowly 25-year-old developer and he's a 40-year-old, 50-year-old senior executive and he gets to find out a whole bunch of stuff that he maybe didn't didn't know by just being pally with people around a around a cigarette, and it's it's much more difficult and deliberate, and needs expertise and skill in management to create those same experiences in in the virtual world. Yeah, uh, my 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 favorite book. There's a really good book on this topic. Uh, well, I thought it was a really good book. It's called A Year Without Pants, and it's about a a, a manager who went from a traditional top-down managerial in-office structure and went to work for Automatic. Um, Automatic is the company that, that makes uh, WordPress, um, runs WordPress.com, uh, creates the WordPress application and a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, and they have always, since they started, been a virtual organization. They have never had uh, uh, offices or office space um, and teams get together maybe one or two times a year for an in-person event. And when they do that, they, you know, pick somewhere in the world that they all want to go. Like, let's go to Cancun or let's go to Athens or let's go to wherever. Um, and they go have a, a week-long or two-week-long event where they're working together and collaborating and, and doing those things that, that they wouldn't do normally. But most of the time, they're completely asynchronous. That's interesting. So when you do embrace this fully working from home, you're saying that you have to put in periods of structured connection. I think it's more than that. Not yes, you have you have to. Uh, so the, there's two parts. There is a in person piece that I think you're not going to get away get away from. It's. Um, my my recent experience of that was going going to the MVP summit for the first time in three years. I was in Seattle um, a, a few weeks ago, and I met up with people that I hadn't seen in person 
in many years. It renewed a bunch of connections, um, a bunch of friendships, a bunch of discourses, right, on different topics yep. that maybe wouldn't have ever happened if we were still just virtual because we're in, we're a very diverse group that's from, uh, 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 everybody's from a different country, right, all over the world. And you're not in the same time zone. You're not thinking about those folks all the time unless you're actually find some of their content online. And I think that that's an important connection to have. But I don't think I've never had that connection with that group of people more frequently than once a year, right? Yeah. Going to the MVP Summit in Seattle is where I met all those people that I consider friends uh, within the context of that story. So... If I'm meeting with them every year, I find that I communicate, engage with them throughout the year. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you need that annual top up just to reaffirm that friendship and the, the strength of the connection. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the beers and the drinks and the going to see a movie in the cinema and the. But I don't. I mean, I, I for me, it doesn't have to be any more than that once a year. I'm not going to be opposed to more, but I don't think I need more. Yep. Every individual is different. Every individual is going to need a different amount of time. And I think there are plenty of people out there who want to go into an office every day, right? Like I said, there's 20 well, people who want to. I much prefer going into offices personally. I think there's a, a quality and a fidelity of the conversations that you have. There's a stronger level of engagement. It also helps me focus. Um, you know, quite selfishly, it helps me deliver. And as a, a scrum master or a coach, seeing the people is so much easier. And those serendipitous conversations when you bump into people at the water yeah. cooler or the coffee machine, you're able to snag that five minutes with that senior leader that you can't get in their diary for whatever reason. Yeah. And yep. as you were describing the, the MVP summit, you reminded me the thing I love about conferences and it isn't the scheduled sessions. It's what I call the hallway track, which I think a lot of other people call it. It's just having a chat on the coffee queue or bumping into people in between is where I've had some really wonderful, delightful conversations and you strike up and build friendships. Um, I used to go to, I used to go to all the tracks when I went to a conference. Uh, but probably in the last 10 years, I think I've participated almost exclusively in the hallway track only, apart from my talk, which is in a specific track, right? Yeah. And that has been the thing that I found of value at those conferences. But the thing is, it actually doesn't, for me, I don't think it has to be the same people all the time right it, it just has to be people yeah so so I, I i i've been to that the mvp summit was the second conference i've been to i went to one at the end of last year i went to agile azerbaijan so i flew out to azerbaijan a whole bunch of people that i don't maybe some people i'd met once before because i've been before to azerbaijan but loads of people i'd never met before and it's just that talking and engaging and going out for meals and things with a group of people on a like-minded topic, right? Because you're discussing yeah. things and talking about it. And that's kind of what an office is to me. That it's a, it's a space where we can get together and talk. We can still do, we can do stuff online all the time. And quite often 
my one of the examples that I, I use quite a lot, Simon, um, for 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 online being being a good thing, is I did a a, a customer asked me, I I'll start again. I was going to a conference in Sydney, Australia. And I speaking to my customer and said I was going to the conference in Sydney, Australia, and he says, Oh, Beijing's near there. It's not, by the way. Beijing's near there. Why don't you why don't you go spend a couple of weeks with the with the team in Beijing? Right? So I ended up being in Beijing for for, for two and a half, three weeks. Um and I spent most of that time on Teams meetings with people in Norway, people in uh, 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 other parts of the world, right? People in the US, people in Norway, other parts of the world. But there was a small amount of time that I spent with my main contact at that office. So it was really one one guy I spent the most time yeah. with and maybe some other meetings. But he took me to his Pilates session. We went out for dinner to the Beijing Duck Company. We went to did various things and that was very that's powerful gold dust. yeah that that part is the gold dust but they're all the things that are actually not in the office right the stuff in the office wasn't the valuable part of the trip visiting colleagues it was all the other stuff so perhaps this hybrid mode of working, right, mm -hmm. is really about we spend most of our time in the virtual space working and we want some personal connection with a group of people and we don't go for that with the intent of being in the office all day. We actually go to that with the intent of doing something else. Like some companies will do events and things, right? So interesting thought that as, as you're relaying that story, tying it all together, there has to be some way of orchestrating the human tribal connection that we know yeah. is powerful. We know that it's super important to us as humans to connect and be part of a group. That's key. And the examples you've given is where you're connected to a purpose and it's like yep. these scrum.org face-to-faces you know ken when he set scrum.org up he wanted the face-to-faces to build that sense of trust in the community and we've seen you know we did do them virtually over lockdown but i found they weren't as powerful because sure. they were larger they were shorter um and it was you know uh it wasn't different enough for me personally. It was, oh, okay, here we are stuck on mural again, moving some sticky notes again. It, it, it didn't deliver the value I was looking for. And, and it's probably I'm hunting that serendipity. I'm mm -hmm. looking for that. So how, if I, if I can, if we, if we acknowledge that that's important, how do we maintain that space? So how do we simulate that? If we're, Moving online, do we then create that opportunity to have that drop-in chat with the CEO, or do we acknowledge that gathering together is the way to solve that problem? I'm not sure. I think 
I remember when I worked at Agreco, um, the CEO did weekly lunches or dinners or something with people. And it wasn't just the people in the local area, people from all over the company would be flown in for dinner with the CEO or lunch with the CEO, whatever it was. And that would be a time for, and it was anybody from the guy who drives the forklift in the warehouse all the way up to whoever, right? It's just, he would go around people from different, I don't know if it was, I don't know how they figured it out, right? How they figured out who, but it was just random people from all over the organization. And he felt that was a, that, that replaced that cigarette break by the bike shed, right? When you're, when you're in the organization, but even that only connects you to the people in, in your office, in your area. Yeah. And this is a way that he was able to connect with people all over. That was um, um, Rupert Soames, Winston Churchill's grandson who ran Agreco for a while. Um, very eccentric, but that's an eccentric thing to do, right? It's bring everybody in because it's not, not, not normal now. But may maybe that's one of the things that should be. Maybe instead of um, bringing everybody back to the office, maybe companies want to run a bi-yearly event, right? And maybe maybe big multinational companies who don't want to fly 100,000 people all to one location in the world, right? They, 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 they do regional ones because that's probably uh, what mostly people are going to be engaging with, right? Yeah. And have those types of events to give people that level of connection and camaraderie and, and, and together with those things. And perhaps for, for big kickoff events for new products, we're going to make a new product. We've got 50 people who are going to be working on it. Let's get them together at, a, at an offsite, right? That, that remember the old terms offsite, an offsite event, um, bring them all together, get them all doing workshops and on a particular program and direction. And then we don't need them together anymore because they've built a, a, a form of relationship and then they're able to continuously communicate. Yeah. Just, even if we could do one sprint, you know, if we're doing that scouting yeah. up thing, we could get the nexus together. Um, other frameworks, scaling frameworks are available. Um, preferably lighter ones. Um, we get them all together and we do the spin up, get them to do, you know, product wall, start that product wall, do the story map, break it down, build your roadmap out, and then do one sprint where they can ship something together, build that strength of camaraderie. And after the first sprint review, then, uh, you know, disperse, disapparate from there and go back to their remote working style. I think there's a lot of a huge amount to commend for that. I think I think you're right, but I, I think I think this comes back to the original question a little bit. Is is the office is dead? And I, I think it is. Because none of those things that we've talked about are really something that you have a dedicated purpose built, um pay for it all the time office large office space that can accommodate every employee in your organization. That office is dead. So the only part of that statement I challenge is that will accommodate every employee in the conversation in their company or location. So I think the size of the office will be less, but I think it's important to have a physical presence 
I, I think it's oh, I agree. I, I definitely agree. But even um, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, when I worked for Merrill Lynch. You're not that old, surely. I, 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 yeah, 15 years ago, working at Merrill Lynch. Um, it might actually have been a little bit more than it could have been 20 years ago working at Merrill Lynch. Um, but the, 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 they'd already started downsizing their office space to, I think they went to 70% capacity. I think mm -hmm. that's what they talked about was that they would have office space available in a region for 70% of the people in the region. And everybody else was to work remotely or um, do whatever's right. Um, but I think I think there's, I think there is a I, I maybe maybe giving away this idea right. But I think there's this untapped market um, for something like temporary pay for office space, which I know exists in cities, but that's not in a city. So the, 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 one of the, you've been to Glasgow, it's quite, quite a big place, right? It's not, not quite as big as London, but it's quite a big place. And, George, right? uh, and if I want to go get ad hoc office space for my business, I want to rent a, a, a boardroom or I want to rent um, a meeting room, a me well, a, yeah, a meeting room or, or even just, I want to spend a week working in an office cause something's going on or whatever. Um, I have to go into the city. I have to go into the city centre. That is the nearest place I can go to get that because that's where those types of offerings are. Um, it actually just noticed, as I'm saying that, I remembered the sign. There's an office space just around the corner from here, and they've now got a for hire meeting space, which is one I, of those. Yeah. But I think that's going to increase. Also, there's an opportunity for residential space. Like if we're going to meet anywhere, why don't we meet in the Lake District or, yeah, you know, why why would you why would you want to go that have the trauma of spending whatever? Any time I've been to London, it's like it, it takes you so long to get anywhere in London and get from anywhere to anywhere. Wouldn't it be better to and cheaper and more effective to go rent some space at a hotel in the Lake District for a week and have a bunch of people come in and we do whatever games and stuff are available at the the country hotel in the in the evening and the weekend and you've got the week with 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 internet and whatever getting getting some work done. I think those are the types of events that are more likely to be effective for team building, more likely to be the model of the future. Um, well, I think that there's an elephant in the room as well that I know we disagree disagree on quite quite vehemently. <laughs> and that that's training. Oh, see, I, I love in-person training. I think it yeah. is far more effective. I think virtual training will get to about 80% effectiveness of an in-person course. Well, and this is, this is the, this is where I feel like we agree while disagreeing, right? I agree that virtual training gets you 80% there. 
right? I I would, however, assert that when you offset that lost 20% against travel and location and format, I think it is more effective to do virtual training where instead of doing two full days on site, I can do four half days, right? And I don't have to be on site for four days. Or I can, instead of doing four half days, I could do a 10, 10 week, right? Immersive training with uh, a meeting once a week, which I would only be able to do if I was hosting the training in my home city. And I, I think there are benefits some to doing that. I, I personally prefer the two day intensive block training. I think it is more effective. It's easier to remain focused. Uh, I, I think having training followed up by coaching is, is very positive and I can see where that's there. But from what I've seen, the training market is going to be moving online pretty well. Sure. Yeah. The training market is moving online. That's it just is. But, and not only online, but fully digitized, you know, you'd just be using a mixed modal delivery where there will be interaction at some point. So it's, um, that's there. And I think bringing it back to our officers dead, there's, you know, our commitment to climate, to zero carbon, uh, cost of transport, cost of accommodation, time away from family. A disruption to routine, trying to get people to go away for two weeks can be a push now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of folks um, who changed their lifestyle as a result of the pandemic. Uh, might be kids, it might be dogs, it might be cats, it, you know, you know what I mean. But there, yeah. there's commitments beyond work that people could finally take up on. If maybe they moved. weren't. Yeah. Well, a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, to the chagrin of some of the people in the, the rural communities, because you had this exodus of the the online worker whose sure. pockets were a little bit deeper than the the person in the the rural community. Um, it will balance. I'm not worried. Eventually, it will. But um, I, I think that's the that will be a barrier to bringing a group together is is being able to balance out those things. So. Um, but then you've got you've so but this is this is the the thing you'll that the, you then have to offer offer something more right if i if i talk to um a, a group of people that i work with about um getting together in a particular location uh, let's say we're going to get together in basingstoke right um they're gonna be like yeah like why would i want to go there really what are we gonna do but if I said let let's let's spend a couple of weeks in Cancun, right? And you're paid for by the company, and if you want to bring your spouse, we'll figure that out. Um, and people come out, and they've got their families there, and it's like being at home, except they've got sun and sand and um, whatever else is 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 available. Then I'm pretty sure it would be a lot easier. Uh, to get people in the location, you, you 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 have to make it desirable, right? And I think that's the difference between pre-pandemic and now is that employees have realized that they don't have to do anything they don't want to. 
you so can't, you're you saying can't we, people do stuff, right? No, yeah. So we need to entice people. Um, and whilst it might be great to to do that long haul travel, there's there's a significant carbon cost to that. Um, and that's something we're now factoring in. So trying to find that that sweet spot of getting people together, making it enticing enough so that they're willing to do it and they get what they want, uh, balancing it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my default awesome place is Cancun because my wife's from there, right? So uh, that's, that's usually why I pick Cancun. And it's really nice there, right? Well, it's and, always always good to go and visit family. Um, but how many how many how many people would um, let's say take the the the, the work says we're going to go cut for Cancun to Cancun for two weeks? Would you like your flights to come back? two weeks later than that so you take your two weeks vacation at the uh, straight after and they spend that in cancun right and then you don't have the you're minimizing the carbon footprint you're minimizing that yeah you're you're also just taking a whole group of people out of work for two weeks so how good your business contingency plan to be dropping a good chunk of your workforce for a month well two weeks they're working two weeks or not so Okay, but I know lots of our lots of organizations that especially in the in the digital space that close down over Christmas and they'll take two weeks off at Christmas. What's what's that to taking two weeks off another time for for continuity the rest of the time, right? I I, I it's something that they would be able businesses just don't like surprises, right? Yeah, if, so if, we can if, plan around it, right? plan around it if 20 people in the company said we want the same two weeks off um and it's not something that they're they're planning and instigating for they're like shit what are we going to do but if it's it's part of the plan we've been planning this for the last year or we do the same two weeks every year right which is uh, just before everybody goes off in the summer holidays so the place we pick maybe the 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 we offer everybody else well do you want to just extend it for two weeks and and be there for extra time and we pick somewhere cool enough that most people want to do that right and it becomes a business perk it becomes a, a an employment perk that, that yeah. we go away every year and we hang out for two weeks and then we don't hang out for two weeks but maybe some people do because they actually like each other and are friends anyway and their kids play and it seems to me like an interesting idea. I mean, it's just that it's just that we're, we're spitting here, right? We're, uh, um, but I think that it's more likely that offices, companies will need smaller satellite offices all over the country rather than big industrial campuses, right? In, in, in major cities. I think those days are 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 gone. Because there's um, it's it's interesting. Um, this might sound crazy. I realized after the pandemic how productive I was in my commute. Um, because if I was going into London, it's about an hour and a half for me from leaving home to being at the client yep. site. 15 minutes drive, all right, you just drive. Uh, but then once you're on the train, you had a nice block of an hour. You could put your headphones on and you could do something constructive. You could read, you could write, you could reflect and clear the inbox, all that sort of thing. 
similarly the next trip uh, he was you know it gave me more reading time when i arrived i was spun up i was in the mode similarly on the way back home i was doing other stuff cleaning up so that when i walked in i was home i was done uh, yep. one of the challenges of working from home your commute is about one nanosecond <laughs> where it's just literally as soon as you walk out of that door you're changing your modality from work to father husband dog owner whatever um and so that that's one of the benefits i found commuting um just carving that space out to read and I, yeah of course we can all have discipline to read and write and listen to more stuff there's that um sure but that's giving... a like that's, a, that's a, a a um a learned psychological technique right i mean and it's absolutely fair i i used to work with a guy i i worked in an office um many moons ago where people were allowed to wear whatever they wanted to work it's just whatever they wanted um and i i'm a i'm a i'm a polo shirt and slacks kind of guy that's my comfort zone but the guy sitting next to me on the same team uh, who is a ux developer um was a was a hoodie and, and and ripped jeans that looked like they hadn't been washed and the guy on the other side of me who was a a, a coder uh, was three-piece suit because that's what he felt comfortable because he wanted that psychological change of i wear this at work and i wear other stuff at home and the first thing i do when i go home is i change change my suit but i can imagine him as an individual working in his home office he would be sitting there in his three-piece suit working in his home office and that's his psychological change is the change out from clothes yeah and it, it does help right these these cues um so finding ways to support how our people and teams work we're saying that office space will by nature shrink because yep. you just you don't need to, you don't want to be spending all that money and maintaining all that overhead if it's not going to be used as much you could have you know there'll probably be less desk space more meeting room space as well because yep. if people are coming in they're, they're coming in for a meeting and to do a workshop or things like that um and then more satellites as well particularly you know for larger companies yep. um but i i think the, the key thing that resonated with me is when you said we need to entice people as opposed to force people. Can you play on that idea a bit more for me? What do you mean by that, really? I mean that it. I. I. For me, it comes back to the whole. The whole. The whole story that my mode of operating is trying to increase volatism and decrease Taylorism, right? Democratization, decentralization, node-based node -based delivery for me, I feel is the most effective way to operate. In order for that to operate, in order for, for, for why does somebody turn up for the daily scrum if there's no authority? telling them to turn up for the daily scrum. 
yeah. you know, they have to, they have to believe they believe that it provides them with value, and if they are not there, they're missing something. That's how you entice people. They have to understand the value of the thing, and what's what's the value in going into the office if you if you just tell everybody in the company you must come back to the office and you must or you must do three days a week in the office and it must be these three days all you're going to do is piss people off and you've got a bunch of people looking for work who don't want to be there anymore might not they might go to another job that has those three specific days in the office right but they weren't told to change and that's the enticing piece right you have to you have to make it so that you have to create an environment within which people want to do the things that you want them to do rather than just tell them to do it so what what does that mean in the office space so that might mean having things in the office space that encourages people to, to to into that type of collaboration so like you were saying having more um meeting rooms that collaboration rooms that support that type of collaboration I, i've worked in organizations where contractually they weren't allowed to put anything on the walls ever anytime right yeah and you're like well, where do you put your posters and your boards and put your stickies no we can't do any of that we're not allowed to put anything on the walls at all well, this is not, I would, I would ditch that contract and go find a space that does let you put stuff in the walls, right? It, it has to be slick. I actually think about it like a, like a slide, right? People don't slide uphill. It doesn't work. You slide downhill. And even when you're sliding downhill, you don't just slide downhill. There has to be something that reduces the friction in sliding right. downhill. So if you want people to go that way, you have to create a situation within which that is successful. And that's up to leadership. That's up to the organization. That's up to the business to do that. It's not necessarily up to the employees to do that or the employees to want to do that. No, it's up to the, the people within the organization to focus on value delivery. Yeah. And, and value delivery may mean for certain organizations that you need a bunch of people you need a bunch of people on site, right? That that that's maybe what that means. There are, there are lots of jobs I can think of, for example, healthcare, where most of those jobs are on site. But then there are lots. You know, it's like where do you draw that line? Because there are actually lots of jobs in healthcare where you don't have to be on site, right? My my cousin's a, a radi radiologist, radio I, radiographer, the 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 doctor who assesses x-rays and stuff uh, imaging assesses imaging for for things because ai they actually have an ai tool as well and the ai is not as good because it doesn't it, it it has a lot of false positives is probably one of the problems with with, with ai yeah, yeah. and um he works he works from home and he his services are provided to hundreds of hospitals all over the world um i i think about uh drone pilots Right in the U.S. military, they 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 are sitting in a cabin in the Mojave Desert, and they get to go home to their family at the end of the day. But during the day, they're piloting aircraft in in somewhere else in the world, right? And that job would never have been considered 
a remote capability job 30 years ago, right? Yeah, like, so there's no possible way you could do that. Things are changing and uh, they now have um, remote surgery uh, bots. So yep. uh, when, you know, because it is so hard. So uh, when there is sufficient technology, um, I was away with work and I had to, for whatever reason, I had to work using the hotel Wi-Fi. And yep. so I paid my money for the upgraded, you know, super fancy upgrade. You can have video conferences over this Wi-Fi. And it was very max headroom. It was, you know, uh, stuttery, jerky, yep. uh, robotic, metallic voice, dinging in and out. And it reminded me how much work I've done to make my home environment effective. Yeah. Do, do you remember even the days of working in the office and trying to share the internet with everybody else in the office and it was crap? Because I remember those days, even working in IT companies where the internet bandwidth in the office, because you've just got lots of people on a particular limited size pipe. And unless yep. you buy the organizations willing to fork out 20, 30,000 for least line capability, that's pretty much what you're getting. You're sharing a standard internet connection, which is what you would have coming into your home. And yep. people are often more productive at home because they don't have, uh, um, quite often it's, it's bring your own device, right? BYOD, and people buy a much more decent machine to use for, I'm gonna use it for my games when I'm not working. But also video editing or yeah, yeah. video editing or whatever it is I do. So it's a my hobby, right? So it's a pretty good machine. And then I'm using it for work and holy crap, everything's really fast and all of these things are opening and I'm able to and then you go back to your work laptop and you're like, oh you know. Yeah, that that's 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 I, I can't can't stand cannot stand that click happen. That's as far as I'm concerned, that's how it works. I don't think you and I are renowned for our patience, Martin, particularly with technology. It's not something that we're renowned for at all. And um, I, I, I remember struggling with that in organizations. And one of the really polarizing things um, that, that, that I find in organizations is the, the, the restrictions that they put in place on, on equipment and hardware that is just not going to cut it in this home homeworking environment, right? This, this idea that I have to have a special machine in the house in a special place just for work and it can only be used for work stuff, right? Is a ridiculous request for companies to make. So we're, we're moving on a bit from whether offices are dead to the practicalities of creating sure. a, a constructive environment that supports our people. And, um, you know, maybe that's one particular group of people who must go into the office, which are those who are working on high security top, you know, the, the classified stuff, you know, the secret squirrel stuff. Um, however, yeah, I'm it, sure they'll work are, from home, are, but there'll be controls. That's a, that's a, in reality, that's a tiny percentage of the people that work in, 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 in offices in this world. And I, and I think that too many companies believe their own 
BS that their stuff is of some kind of secret, super secret squirrel that needs the same level of security that the 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 RAF have for their, you know, secure servers. It's just an unreasonable um, expectation, right? But that that's the classic point of the straw man argument, right? Um, what you do is you you go out and you find some extreme case. It's it's such a an extreme or opposing position. You use it to justify your point. And it's usually quite an easy one to defeat because once once you're able to highlight how extreme this position is, uh, anyone looking at things objectively will realize that that is very much an edge case, not a main case. Yeah. So we're talking about having a decent connection to the internet, some sort of space where you can actually focus and a bit of kit good enough to do your job. Yeah. Preferably, preferably with a, 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 a dedicated, well-placed camera and a dedicated, well-placed mic, right? None of this laptop bullshit, because that does not work. I spend so much time working with folks. Do you remember those IBM? I think it was IBM started it, those laptops that had the camera between the screen and the keyboard. Yeah, so you get a really good shot of someone's chin, right? Their nostrils. Right up their, right up their nose. Right. Or um, you get on a call with somebody and all you can see is the top of their head. Or they've got a light behind them, a, a window or something, and it's just completely silhouette. Silhouette. And that's all you can see. I, okay. I, I challenge anybody to go into a meeting and do that, an in person meeting and do that. And that, that's part of the challenge for, for managers and office one of the reasons that they want people to go back to the office is because they don't feel that people are engaged in um, the work that they do. And part of that is, do you care about your appearance, right? Appearance is quite an important thing. How you present yourself and how you engage with other people is part of that story. And when you see those things, um, and that's what you're seeing across your organization. You're thinking that all these people don't care because they're not. If they got their camera on. If they got their many, camera on, yeah. How many times have we been on sessions where people's cameras aren't on? Now, there is the, in most tools, there's the ability to blur the background, which, um, you know, yep. a, a lot of folks, when, when we all got forced to work from home, Many folks didn't have the luxury of having a dedicated workspace. Sure. Um, so having that ability to put a different background on is really important um, to to be able to, to blur that. Um, but actually getting everyone in the habit of putting their camera on so that you can get that visual cue of where the people are paying attention and to be able to pick up on those very, very minute signals, um, that small... Uh, facial expression, the the look in the eyes, the, oh, yeah, they, I've lost them. They disagree, um, those points. So yeah. that's that's a corporate culture one. Uh, a it's, funny one for you, knowing just a quick anecdote. You know how um, I know you're a huge Microsoft Teams fan, uh, of which I'm not. Um, they put in a, a monitoring thing where uh, it would detect whether you're present or something. 
Um, some guy got around it by putting a Lego figure in front of his camera. Absolute genius. Um, <laughs> because it used the face of the Lego figure as facial detection. Um, and that's, I, if, if you force stuff, people will find a way around stuff. Yeah, that's why you can't force stuff. People have to want to do it because they feel there's value in doing it. Um, I, I don't... I don't force people to put their camera on when I'm training, but I explain to them that the way I teach, I use the facial expressions of the people that I can see to help guide and inform my decisions while I'm training. Yep. So if there are only two people out of eight with their camera on, I'm teaching to those two people who have their camera on and their facial expressions, their level of understanding, their level of not understanding, right? Because there's somebody sitting there going, oh, I don't understand what that is, right? That, I, yeah, exactly. That they're who I'm teaching for because they're the ones that are present. Yeah. And everybody else is just there. They're, they're bystanders to the training class, not participants in the training class. Well, I, I invite people then to engage in the manner which is then comfortable for them. So whether that's using chat, speaking up, just, yeah. just get involved, right? And I I had a training the, the other week where um, due to their corporate security and setup policies, they were unable to use video. Yep. And due to their network setup policies, they were unable to go on audio. So out of a class of 10 people, no, 11 people, nine of them couldn't do, couldn't, couldn't turn their audio on. Or their video. They couldn't do their video. Well, two of them did do their video. Most of them didn't because they'd already been upgraded to actual laptops rather than virtual things. Yeah. Um, but the rest, if, as soon as they turned the audio on, there was feedback and echo. And even if they were the only one off mute, feedback and echo. Um, oh wow! It was it was so they just had to be off. So we were trying to get, get them to engage in the chat, but it it's not only is it harder uh, uh, to engage like that, but all of what about the other people that are engaging at a at a at a, at a higher pace? Are we are we disadvantaging the people who are present for the people who aren't present? That's. That's an interesting point. I think we might be, and this is the most challenging environment I've had to work with either facilitating or training in is that of a hybrid environment where you've got some folks offline, some folks in the room. Yep. It worked well where we had one person, they were isolating because they're about to go on honeymoon. And we had a dedicated person wandering around with either a laptop or a tablet or something. And they were, they were their physical avatar in the room. So they're able to walk around and see the assets that we're using. And at times they're holding themselves, the, you know, the, the computer up with that person's face so that they, other people would then look at the camera of that device as that person. So that worked really well in a larger group setting. I find yeah. it's easy to say like, all virtual or all in the room. But uh, hybrid I did, workshops are. I did a I did a class for 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 Microsoft, and one one of the days, uh, two of the folks turned up in a in a conference, you know, a Microsoft Teams room, 
you know, the Teams room thing with the video calls yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. And they were sitting in there, and I'm like, right, time for breakout room. And they're like, ah, uh, because uh, they're going to end up in might end up in different breakout rooms, right? And they're in the one room, so how how do you facilitate? And they had to switch to um, to being on. Luckily, Teams is clever enough not to put the rooms in breakout rooms because that doesn't make any sense, right? So it's clever enough to skip that that they don't count as a person. Um, so they just joined on their laptops and then it was able to, but I could still see the room with them in it while they were in the breakout rooms. It's yeah, very yeah, strange. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Microsoft's doing a bunch of work in teams in, in the hybrid space. They've gone full permanent, whatever you want. That's their corporate policy is whatever you want. If you want to come into the office, come into the office. If you don't want to come into the office, don't come into the office, whatever's right. So they have hybrid meetings. They have. Uh, uh, all of those things in-house and they're implementing a bunch of features in Teams that they've been talking about for a while, the mesh stuff and also the off-camera stuff. I showed you that, Simon. Do you remember um, you've kind of got the talking head avatar so you don't have to be on camera but you're more yep. present and it because it, it, some people don't want to be on camera because of like sometimes I don't want to be on camera because I've got a bad hair day um, and sometimes sometimes I just don't feel up to people looking at me right i don't I, sometimes you just don't feel up to it it's it's draining but the, the interesting thing is if you're in the room if you're at work that wouldn't be an option right if you wanted to be in the meeting you'd get your butt in the room um it's how how we deal with this balance of freedoms um and choices in a supportive humane and systemic way is key. And I think it needs to be objective and systemic and we need to support it so that we can get the value that we need. And the examples that we're tending towards in the end where people don't want to do this, don't want to turn their camera on, don't want to behave like that, that adds really strong support to leadership's argument of going, well, get in the office then. Because mm -hmm. I, I think there's there has to be the accountability of the people that if we're working from home that we'll play the game we'll do everything we can to make it easy for people to connect to us uh easy to engage but having said that there's uh, all these uh, messaging tools slack teams etc yep. i find them exceptionally distracting it's like, like social media at work you can just open it up and disappear down a rabbit hole for three hours and not do anything productive. So I have to really manage my time to make sure I don't open too many of those things. I I don't think I have that problem because I uh, turn off all of the notifications for those things. So I actually miss a lot of things that I should pay attention to because I just turn off the notifications. Um, but... I think this this comes back to um, the book that I mentioned, A Year Without Pants. Yeah. And their primary mechanism for communication inside of the company, which had been the primary since they started, was IRC. And I believe it still is IRC. It's whatever the teams want to use. So they could use Slack if they wanted, or they could use Teams if they wanted. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, but most people used IRC, and that's that's an, for those that are not as old as Simon and I. That's a that's an old 
uh, uh, internet chat relay tool that was one of the first message boards and chat tool online old old, old tech. It's like the equivalent the of a, a pencil and a and a and a um, what are those things called cassette, um, <laughs> effectively. But this, this this guy had to learn to use that tool, and it was predominantly asynchronous communication. All of the yep. communication by default in the organization was asynchronous. You do not expect an immediate response to any message you send because you have people on your team from multiple time zones. So you're going to pop a message to somebody and then you'll get a response when you get a response. They'll get back to you when they get back to you. If you really need to chase them, perhaps you, you give them a call, but that's like etiquette is you message them first, arrange the call, then call, right? Because... I, so, I don't answer my phone. It's usually spam. You've just highlighted that there is um, a cost of delay. There's a higher threshold uh, to get things done for things to but flow that, through. That, that, impli that implies that you're 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 doing nothing while that. So for 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 things where you have that predefined thing that we're doing we know when our sprint reviews are we know when our dailies are we're all going to be available for this 15 minutes every day it's still asynchronous but we're gonna that's that's our, our moment in time those things those things all happen right so we're not losing time for those things but if i just want to have a chat with you simon and same as if i want to have a chat with you today what do i do i, I go ping you on whatsapp and at some point you reply and I'm like, well, we want to get together and have a chat. Yeah, send me, a, send me a thing and you pick a bunch of meeting options and then we book in the time and here we are today, right? And that that that's, there would be no value in me just trying to phone you because I would feel like I'm imposing upon you because I might be disruptive. You might be doing something. You might be in a class. You might be uh, in a meeting with a customer. I, I don't know what you're doing, um, and it's it's not respectful of your time to think that you should be on demand when I want your time. So to circle that back then, what we're saying is we need protocols. Yeah, working agreements. Yeah, so working agreements or protocols, we need to entice people to use an office that will be a smaller space that will have more dedicated workshop area that will potentially have better tech in it to support hybrid meetings like um, yep. larger Microsoft service boards or you know other big you know digital whiteboards are available. Uh, it's going to be cameraed up. It's going to be mic'd up. Um, it's going to be able to join whatever conferencing tool your organization uses. Um, we we need to. Sorry. Easily. Easily, yeah. yeah. Very low friction. The tech's just got to work. Um, and people will need a suitable level of kit that they can use at home or at work. And it's got to be fast enough so that it's not a pain. They then need to make sure that they can connect in a way that they're not suffering so that they know there's a decent amount of bandwidth there. We've then said we need protocols, uh, yep. working agreements, organizational standards because 
your organization, particularly large enterprises, there's there's big constraints there. There's certain tools you got to use. You mightn't like the tool, just get on with it. You know, you have to use that enterprise tool or go through the process of getting another tool recognized. Um, and I, th I think just name just about any tool you name, half the people will love it, the other half will hate it, and that's right. just humanity. Just the way uh, it is. That's uh, so. We think that there will be a reduced need for large physical presence organizations. And in fact, many such as WordPress are very successful organizations that are remote by design. Yep. That's, and if you're going to be present in a meeting, try and be as present as you can. Yeah. Right. right. Treat it yeah. the same same respect that you would for an in person meeting. So that means the next time we catch up, I can just whip my phone out and start playing games right while I'm talking to you. See yes, how that exactly. Goes. Exactly. That's what I do in 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 person meetings too. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so easy to do. It's so tempting, right? Just to distract yourself with all the other bits of kit that you've got around you. Well, it can be so boring in some meetings, Simon. Make sure you only invite people to meetings that they have value. But there's a maybe reason there's a, another conversation there. Yeah, that's yeah. another conversation. Maybe that's maybe that could be our next conversation. How do you make events engaging? I, oh, that would be a good one. Because we disagree on that as well. Very much so. Yeah. Well we can... I think I think we should probably wrap up there. Yeah. Um, Interesting discussion. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think we ended up agreeing, to be honest, Simon, rather than disagreeing. But that happens quite a lot. Yeah, I think we we come out of when we're not poles apart. Um, we're eighty percent we, there. Yeah, we knock the rough edges off each other's ideas. I think. Awesome. Well, it was great to but, chat again, Simon. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, Martin. And for all the wonderful people who are listening to this, hopefully you're listening, uh, like and subscribe. Oh, yes. uh, Martin and I have got YouTube channels. Um, give us a shout. Let us know what you're doing. Is there something you want us to ramble on meaninglessly, aimlessly about? Um, you know, is there somebody you'd like us to talk to? What, what topics would you like yes. us to tackle? Uh, let us know and we'll do our best to, to service that need. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all.